1: Hello and welcome back to a special edition of roto Overtime. We are live drafting in the FFPC Best Ball Tournament. It is $125 entry to this contest. Really looking forward to this, Sean. The first one of these we've done together this year, we are drafting against our roto Overtime listeners. So it's going to be a sharp room with 11 other guys. I know there's some of them co-drafting as well, like us. So we're going to be up against more than 11 uh, in total. But it's going to be a fun one as we draft hopefully a, a contender. Myself and yourself, along with Blair Andrews, were lucky enough to come second in this tournament last year. Of course, then Connor O'Driscoll took first place, so a roto 1-2 finish, But this tournament offering some serious up-top prize money. I mentioned $125 to enter, $200,000 this year, Sean, for the top prize, fifty thousand dollars second, $20,000 for third, so we're hoping to get in there again into those prize places this year. So, Sean, we got the t- 102 spot, and uh, we joked recently that you weren't getting those high-end draft slots. Well, today, we get one of them. It's the 102. We kick things off with Jonathan Taylor. So we have made that first pick. I'm going to show the draft board now for everyone to follow along. But how excited are you to, to first of all, jump in and draft in this tournament, and then against the, the sharpest room uh, in the FFPC drafts here at the moment, uh, the road of his OT listeners?
2: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to competing against the listeners we've done a couple of these drafts in the superflex format which is obviously fantastic that's one of my absolute favorites it gives us an opportunity to go really crazy in that one since if you pass on qb early you're going to have a bizarre and potentially dynamic build but obviously the roster construction explorers will tell you that going the quarterback at the beginning gives you the best chance to build that tournament winning juggernaut column we are back this is our first 125 official ot league as I was doing some research yesterday for a Dynasty article looking at the drafts that I'm doing with Patrick Corrine and Matt Jones. I ran across the article from last year covering this draft after we had done it. And obviously that uh, gave me a little bit of a feel of nostalgia and that one's kind of fun. We'll be able to link back to, obviously, once we put this draft up, I'll have coverage of it on the site as well. But the big picture here, I think, is that We already had a debate at the 102. You wanted to go wide receiver, considering what this room is likely to be like. Talk about in OT drafts, obviously, in a ship chasing drafts, you have the wide receiver avalanche. That definitely occurred in all of our overtime leagues last year. And so, one way to potentially address that would be to start with the wide receivers. Cooper Cup did go at the 101 to a drafter who has participated on a number of occasions using the name Sean's Twitter. And anytime Sean's Twitter takes a wide receiver at 101, I think you've got to be excited about that. But I did convince you to take a running back. I don't know how many times we'll have a pick in the top three here where we can take Taylor or McCaffrey. I think that the way to play this will be to go hardcore wide receiver from this point on, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Wide receivers are going to get wiped out in the second round. I would expect at this point We've had a Fast and Furious first round that's featured both Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. But Colin, perhaps because of that weakness that we have discussed at times at wide receiver after, you know, especially after Stefan Diggs and CeeDee Lamb are gone, maybe a few more running backs have actually gone in this draft than we would have expected. Derrick Henry at the 111, Najee Harris at the 202, both of them to Edgar. Those are some backs we've been able to select later in a lot of formats. And then Barkley goes at the 203. So the drafter there as well has started RBRB. RB. Columbus, is, is this a little bit of a surprise to you in an OT draft?
1: Yeah, I thought it might be a little bit heavier, but what I'm actually very pleased to see, and uh, we're getting those wide receivers going off the board. But what we're seeing is teams taking specific approaches, Now we will see as the draft goes along. But you know Saquon Barkley at the 202, really trying to push that uh, you know advantage to get that elite running back. Somebody we've talked a lot about, like that is. Pushing of where he would potentially go in a draft like this. If we look at current ADP, um, he's usually going as the RB9, you know, two picks later than that. But we're going to see some guys, I think, take stands based on probably showing some of the information that we are sharing. Uh, we do get questions coming in about who are the most drafted guys we have. We see DeAndre Swift go off the board in this draft at the 107 currently usually the rb7 at the 203 so you know going and getting their guys he matches that up with aj brown we get the travis kelsey drafter taking t higgins we get the mark andrews drafter doubling up and getting kyle Pitts. so there's lots of interesting approaches here to start this draft off what we have known sean from our road of his overtime listener leagues is the adp obviously is important but we do see wide receivers go fast and furious and you may see in this draft some of the running backs particularly dead zone running backs that may end up sliding around or two rounds and then that makes it very tempting to try not to pass those guys up but Sean we have talked about it before the draft you said we had a little bit of a debate I went with the Jonathan Taylor pick under the guys that we were going to really hammer these wide receiver positions and our priority targets which usually are third round wide receivers were AJ Brown were T Higgins they go in the mid third round here is wide receiver seven wide receiver eight but that also is sliding some players down towards us so we are two picks away second round so far has gone cd lamb Najee harris saquon barkley kyle pitts Dalvin cook aj brown t higgins debo samuel Aaron jones we're one pick away and we will talk a little bit more about this after our third round pick but we have shared a little bit of information of how we're planning to, to target this draft we'll talk about that sean after this pick but we are back in business. We are on the clock. It's a 60-second clock. We have 45 seconds left. Some of our options here are Javante Williams, Tyreek Hill, Travis Etienne, or Jalen Waddle could potentially all be options. But I'm looking here at uh, going towards the, the wide receiver option and, and Tyreek Hill, unless you want to hold off for Waddle later. But I think I think we either go Darren Waller or, or Tyreek Hill here, and I, I'm leaning towards Hill. How are you feeling?
2: Yeah, Hill I think is a good selection, especially. With how loaded this draft is going to be with wide receiver drafters. It is a pick where you're probably going to see plenty of Jonathan Taylor with Tyreek Hill in the tournament. That part maybe isn't as ideal, but that's not something to worry about too much early on. If we had a guy that we really liked, we could have made the reach here. But the next wide receivers for me are back into that group that is just being overdrafted in Keenan Allen, Michael Pittman, Mike Williams. And so the next guy for me would be dj Moore, probably you mentioned waiting on jalen waddle this kind of goes back to the very first pick where if we had gone with jamar chase instead which is the direction you were kind of leaning justin jefferson or jamar chase then we would have had the option to take a couple of the interesting running backs who fell here and i mean joe mixon is going to fall into well at least a 212 if not into the third round uh leonard fournette obviously javante williams Joe Mixon is not a guy that we tend to believe is as talented as the running backs who should go early. He's not a player we've ever been high on. And yet at the same time, he does have that one week spike potential playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. We would be able to get a little bit of Bengals exposure in an unusual way for us if we selected him here in the third round. And I mean, that's again within the context of this being a draft where you can get someone who has the 204 as their normal ADP do you prefer to go that direction the other players we were kind of looking at DJ Moore Darren Waller were selected so we're kind of running into this issue that you mentioned I can miss us to go Jonathan Taylor with the first pick who would you like to go here
1: I think we either go Javante Williams here or we reach for Mike Williams I'll let you make the pick one of the Williamses.
2: Well, if that's the case, we need to get some Mike Williams and get some exposure to a different way to play this Let's offense. go.
1: <laughs> I was sure it was going to be Javante.
2: <laughs> we, uh, we've we been selecting a lot of Gerald Everett. I think that he is the way to play it. But we'll go with Williams here, see if he can maintain the fast start that he had last season. There may have been some injury elements in the middle that kind of sabotaged a year. And if he'd been able to maintain the first third of last season, which has never been his MO in his career. We're kind of looking for a guy to play above his ceiling. We're looking for that move from an older wide receiver. Both of those things are probably not the direction to go most of the time, but I think that it did make some sense in this particular draft. I do have Jalen Waddle ranked ahead of him. If we had not taken Tyreek Hill already, that would have been a direction that we could have attempted. Now we're kind of on RB watch to see where some of these great values do fall.
1: Yeah, there's going to be extreme values here, like, and that's what I was saying. about it's hard to pass those guys up. If we hadn't went with John Taylor at the 102, I would have been tempted to go either direction there. You mentioned Mixon. I think that Williams has the upside, but Mixon at this point of the draft and the mid second round where we're at at this point is an extreme value, but what is hard sometimes in a room like this and I know people are drafting for example over at underdog and sometimes we see those wide receiver heavy drafts starting things off but Sean you've talked about this for a number of years that people talk about wide receiver being deep it isn't really deep and once you get locked out of the wide receiver position in drafts like this you can be in big trouble so you need to stick to structure try and keep your roster going in the optimum situation and we took Mike Williams there kind of six to seven picks ahead of ADP usually going late third round you mentioned Sean he is even in that range of the Keenan Allen Michael Pittman who go back to back after him who are kind of been overdrafted if we hadn't have taken Tyreek Hill I would have been open to going with Jalen Waddle you know DJ Moore goes in the second round at 212 in this darn Waller for me darn Waller would have been the pick if he didn't go with the 301 How would you have felt about Waller locking up that elite tight end in the third round versus Mike Williams if both of them were there? Is
2: that the way you would have played it as well? Yeah, that would have been a far superior way for it to work out. We probably should have gone with Waller there at the turn. One of the things that happens when the team drafting out of the ninth slot takes two tight ends and you don't get much uh, sexier than starting with Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts, then There simply aren't as many tight ends left for the rest of us. We could have gone with George Kittle. I think that in many ways for me is a tricky play because of the wide receivers who are there and what the overall passing volume likely will be. I've ended up selecting Brandon Ayuk several times in recent drafts. He's falling. He's probably the way to play that team at this point. I don't think it's going to be a situation like last year where Debo and Ayuk completely flipped in terms of where they were drafting and how they scored. But with the talent level of both players with Ayuk being one of these first round draft picks who actually had fantastic peripherals in the second half of last season. I think within the dynamic that the 49ers are creating, you kind of have to go that route. But that does mean now that we do have the elite running back in Jonathan Taylor, but we don't have the elite tight end. Taylor and then Mark Andrews were obviously two of the key cogs in last year's second place finish. We're going to have to now make sure that we look to address that in some way, shape, or form later on in the draft.
1: Yeah, and it's going to be fun to see how some of these drafts play out. So we have kind of a 0RB out of 1. We have hero or modified 0RBs in our team in 2 and 3. Similar in 4. 5 is a 0RB team within the lead tight end. 6 is a lead tight end 0RB team. Two running backs in Team 7. Then we have Dalvin Cook to the teammate. So kind of a hero RB so far. The double tight end with Joe Mixon. So they basically get Kyle Pitts and Joe Mixon as two second round picks in terms of current ADP and this. They get a a great value there on Mixon. Team 10, Gryffindor, who we've drafted with in a couple of the listener leagues recently, Sean, starts off with the three running backs, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne. and then 11 has Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, now Deontay Johnson. And Team 12, who stole my banana, starts off Stefan Diggs, C.D. Lamb, Cortland Sutton, and then takes Rashad Bateman, so starts off four wide receivers out the gate. So you can see where you like the the reaction sometimes in these can feel like let's go and let's start going to get the other positions and leave wide receiver because of it but i said about reaching for mike williams in the last round and this draft i don't think it is a reach based on how the adp is going to play out first quarterback off the board is josh allen so sean I talked about this, we were we kind of jumped on at the start, we talked about our first pick, but looking through before this draft, we talked a little bit about it, and what prompted me to mention it on this show Is you and Ben did some excellent State in Bananas shows over the last week talking about the draft strategy for redraft versus best ball when you're looking at maybe the FFPC main event. And Ben mentioned a few times about reverse engineering your draft or drafting from back to front. And that is something I think in a draft like this is so important to pick out your targets the guys you want to have and then to understand if you take this guy at the two three turn who can you get at the four five turn who can you get as you go on who are you going to get in the 19th and 20th rounds to balance out that build and the other thing we didn't get to talk about sean before we jumped on was i have put in the targets for those rounds there's quite a chance that we are going to be bouncing those by maybe one round in each each one of these turns so the last couple of picks that have gone off the board are uh, Joe Mixon, Travis Edian. As I mentioned, after that Bateman pick, we get TJ Hawkinson, who tends to be one of our favorite tight end targets. Then we get Josh Allen, Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara. So, Sean, so far through those four rounds, we have six tight ends gone off the board. For us, that tends to be the elite tier that we're trying to target. Sometimes I have been drafting along with uh, Zachary Kruger in some of the drafts. He is targeting Dalton Schultz, for example. But that probably pitches us out now at tight end for a little bit. Brees Hall, next player off the board. Some of the players that are in RQ at the moment are Gabriel Davis, Jerry Judy, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Juju Smith-Schuster, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and then we're dropping into Drake London and Devontae Smith after that. Other players that are currently on the board are Nick Chubb, James Connor, Ezekiel Elliott, Cam Akers, David Montgomery, Dalton Schultz who I mentioned, Terry McLaurin by ADP. Then we get Justin Herbert. So, Um, I think we still look to go wide receiver here if we can in terms of looking ahead to how the draft may play out I felt that the 6-7 turn was an area where it gets a little bit flat and could potentially be to get that first quarterback in this draft but that could as I mentioned be bumped up around or two so Nick Chubb goes off the board I think we go here to get our wide receivers again sean but some tempting james Conner would be a tempting one to to have their youth cam makers in the queue but i think at the moment if the option arrives to us i think getting gabriel davis and jerry judy would be the dream but we are two picks away and both of those guys could be gone before we even pick our first one of these
2: picks <laughs> they could and, and these are guys with fifth round adps but within the context of this draft we wouldn't expect them to make it too much longer after that you're looking at more or less Juju Smith-Schuster and Amon Ross-St. Brown with ADPs so of the 601 and the 602. But because we know it's going to force other interesting players down to us, that's actually not that big of a deal. And again, starting with Jonathan Taylor, we don't have the quite the same pull to select one of these running backs that we might have. Otherwise, we can continue to load up. You look at a couple of the teams out there in the draft who have decided to take advantage of some of the running back values and the teams in the slot nine and slot 10 haven't selected a wide receiver yet to an extent they're locked out but we also know the flip side of that is that they're going to be very wide receiver heavy the rest of the way so it's not like wide receiver value is going to start to show up right it's just going to get worse from here and so you mentioned gabriel davis and jerry judy they both are here for us we have 10 seconds colin who do you like first
1: yeah i think we go with uh,
2: davis the interesting story uh, coming out last week on him is that he's up into the high 220s if in fact he's able to maintain his athleticism at that level I mean you're talking about a potential world breaker in Gabriel Davis it's funny that he goes earlier in best ball than in Dynasty a little bit of that obviously has to do with that week 17 game between the Bengals and the Bills that's inflating his ADP just sort of big picture. If we don't end up with a way to play that game, then that selection may not look as good at the same time, uh, similar to what you kind of think about with what happened in playoff contests last year. And (laughs) the big reason that he's so expensive right now, beyond the fact just that he's perfectly positioned to blow up is that monster playoff game and that playoff game specifically, you would have wanted him as the player in that. And there would be ways to go with that and win the game through him and then with the rest of the strength of your lineup so not necessarily a disaster especially if most of the other gabriel davis managers actually have that game played that way there is some benefit to having gabriel davis if he has the kind of season that we're looking at but not having it in the same type of pattern that most other drafters are going to So we come back around here, Colin, and perhaps not surprisingly, Jerry Judy and Juju Smith-Schuster do go off the board. Sean's Twitter continues to be 0RB with four wide receivers now and Darren Waller. We're looking at someone here like Cam Akers. I think that that would be a way to play it. Amon Ross St. Brown is interesting because he appears to be one of these great values. And at the same time, there are other ways to play the Lions and DJ Chark. And perhaps if you can build out enough wide receiver depth, To make it through the early part of the season Jamison Williams and yet at the same time there is a pretty significant tier break after Amon Ra what's your preference
1: yeah I think we go Amon Ra here the only two other players that I would potentially go would be Schultz or Herbert um if you wanted to go tight end or quarterback but I'll go Amon Ra if we're not going that direction so we do take Amon Ra the reason uh, I think I mentioned it earlier I think we move down into our targets here for tight ends the issue with that i think that i would say again with this draft room is uh you know the jokes had even started before the draft had kicked off in the group chat regarding having gerald everett in their queues having noah fant in their queue so our favorite guys sean here are well and truly known and we've seen tj hawkinson go off the board early in this one we could see those other guys go ahead of adp so we'll play that as it goes we could potentially have gone herbert to you know link him up then with mike williams but i really like based on this room how things have played out so far with jonathan taylor tyree kill mike williams gabriel davis amon rasin brown we're bumping some of those guys by you know half around to around an in adp in some situations when you're drafting though at the turn you kind of have to do that at times because if you want a guy you know that's going around and a half later you're not going to get him when it comes back to you so um I think we're starting off quite well with this draft room. The other thing I was going to mention, you mentioned the ADPs of somebody like a Gabriel Davis get bumped up based on the week 17 correlations and some of the, some of the tournaments in ADP. It may not be as important when we look at a tournament like the FFPC in terms of the overall, you know, size of the contest. I mentioned earlier, it is $125 to enter, but it is a 9,072 team contest and like last year, Sean, it is a case of it's multiple smaller leagues with eliminations until the teams get through to the final. The final in this tournament is a 63 team final. So it is obviously important, but we're not looking at quite the volume of people in the final week as we may be, for example, over at underdog. So those correlations may not be, they're obviously going to be beneficial, but may not be as vital. And, you know, last year, Sean, for example, and you've mentioned this a few times, we did have a. Devonte Adams and Aaron uh, Rodgers team but in those final weeks we used Devontae Adams basically basically every week but we also were using Joe Burrow as the quarterback obviously because he was scoring more points overall than Aaron Rodgers so that can be still beneficial in a tournament like this so in the fifth round we've seen Juju this is a yellow round Sean so since Alvin Kamara went off the board we have seen in the next round three running backs go and Dalton Schultz all other players were DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Alan Robinson, uh, Gabriel Davis, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jerry Judy. Then we get Amon and Brian Branton-Cooks, Russell Gage, Elijah Moore, Darnell Mooney. So we have 31 wide receivers off the board through five and a half rounds. So we said, Sean, after round one, that maybe it was going a little bit less wide receiver heavy. It's definitely turned the corner. But again, to touch on it, we are basically moving the wide receivers up, by a round to two rounds in a draft like this and dropping the running backs particularly the dead zone running backs down a round or two so we talk about this sean in terms of our draft or a rotoviz draft this is probably the way adp should look in terms of trying to remove the dead zone and trying to build those optimal lineups
2: Well, one of the things that we've discussed on a few of the shows is that the adps don't really fit the various formats and as a result of that you have an opportunity to exploit adp in both that part of it is a lot of fun because there are so many things you can do to draft your player targets but to get them in a way where you're actually getting them at a big discount as opposed to having to pay a premium to get the guys that you want simply by selecting them in the formats where it makes sense i mean the the adps are broken and so from that perspective there are so many different ways then you can deploy your own board and deploying your own board is still very important we talk a lot about structural drafting we talk a lot about making sure that you have sort of the right portfolio players and the structural drafting in terms of how you need to put a team together but then obviously in 2022, especially, there's been more focus on what you need to do for week 17. Some of those things you do for week 17 can actually be pretty destructive for the rest of your roster. But you have this question of this puzzle of how can you do all of the things together? And one of the things that I think that you need to do is to make sure you're drafting the players where you need to draft them. So you're going to draft them around ADP, not wildly different than ADP. We get questions from time to time about, okay if I followed Sean's rankings, then I would end up with 100% of these handful of players. I don't really want that. And that's not the way that we want you to do it. We want you to draft them around ADP and to understand the other values in that area as well. So that sometimes you take slightly lesser values in order to make sure that you're getting decent prices on the players you are drafting. So that if I'm right about where they end up finishing, that you actually profit from that as opposed to have having kind of spent it all by drafting them at the place that they ended up finishing and when you do that then obviously you don't really get anything from it you just drafted them at their finish which is nice but doesn't win you your league so we need to have enough targets that we can be patient and that we can get values at the spot but we also still want to draft the players just big picture who are better values overall who are big wins small loss types of players and who have the very sort of widest range of outcomes. Now, you're not necessarily looking to take a team that is all risk at every draft slot. You don't necessarily want a team with all rookies, but even non-rookies. You're going to have players who have a much better chance to beat ADP than the guy next to them. We're targeting those players. We want to make sure that we have a high roster percentage of those players. And so that part of it makes a difference. And as we go through these drafts, we're going to keep an eye on who those guys are you go back then to the structure how do you make that work with it and then you have a draft like this which obviously is going to give you different challenges because it's not necessarily going to fall adp but you still have to make those decisions that work overall and you mentioned drafting it from back to front knowing kind of how it's going to play out that part of it it's just it's so much fun here to do this draft With the Road of Biz listeners. So from the point that you mentioned, we do get almost exclusively again wide receivers. Dallas Goddard. So we have a three tight end team. Ryan and Daniel in the ninth slot are putting together a really interesting build here. I don't know that it will work, but you're not going to see any other teams out there in the contest or even contests if they had like millions of teams that had Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette, Dallas Goddard, and Cam Akers through six rounds. So that part of it, I, I very heavily applaud. We now have three QBs coming off in this range with Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes finally going. Mahomes has been a discounted player, but unfortunately, Colin, we are also losing guys like Drake London, Devonte Smith, Traylon Burks, and Brandon Ayuk. I think all of them would be fun players, but as we kind of expected, they're not gonna wrap back around to us.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Yeah, they were they would have been all potential targets, but no surprise that they didn't last. And you know, then like the likes of an Adam Thielen going off the board, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin, a player we love, but obviously injury concerns heading into the season. Adam Thielen, I've talked a few times about my concerns around his profile and his age heading into what will be his age 32 season, but we're going to see some of those guys kind of fall. What I was thinking, Sean, and players added to the queue were Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. They have all been off the board. This was the area of the draft. I thought it might get a little bit flat and have the potential to lean into a quarterback pick here. We are two picks away Ezekiel Elliott's there, Sean. Don't make me draft him, please. But extreme value here at this particular point normally goes at the 36th pick. Is there a point where where you would lean into lean into Elliott? Um, and how do you feel about potentially going quarterback here? We're one pick away. We have in terms of ADP that are in you know available to us is Elliott, Dobbins, Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, Elijah Mitchell, AJ Dillon. So a lot of running back options. Then we get Joe Bardo, Jalen Hurts. Miles Sanders, Amari Cooper, Clyde Edwards-Lair, Zach Ertz, Tony Pollard. So there's a lot of options there that we're not probably too pushed on a lot of running back options in the queue. And Jalen Hurts goes off the board uh, with that one pick before us. How are you feeling about this pick as it really does flatten out here? A bit? it feels like we kind of uh, either reach for somebody or we're going quarterback or running back here.
2: Yeah, I, at this point, it's a little bit interesting to consider taking DeAndre Hopkins, although that pick – loses you some value as well when you're trying to win your own league first he's going to miss a huge chunk of the actual league time period Colin, i think this one probably has to be jk dobbins he's one of our guys he may continue to fall but i wouldn't expect him to get back to us with another couple of rounds in this particular draft and there really isn't another impact player here
1: yeah jk dobbins is the most upset of these running backs so if you want to sean if you want to go that way and i think then what we can see is, is who does come back to us and two picks time but it's going to be interesting it's a really challenging draft as you kind of you know we have our setup here where we can have a using the road of tools looking through the adps trying to see what options may be available in the coming rounds as i mentioned again drafting back to front to see how your roster will play out I think, though, they're J.K. Dobbins to pair up with John and Taylor based on the wide receivers then that we have in this format been able to start the multiple wide receivers in the flex. Obviously, is going to be beneficial. But, yeah, I think we're in an interesting spot, Sean. I would have went Jalen Hurts there if he had lasted one more pick. Would you have went Hurts over Dobbins or would you still have pushed for the Dobbins pick?
2: Well, I think with Hurts making it, if he had done that, then – we would have both Hertz and Burrow. And I don't necessarily think, especially since we did take that selection of Gabriel Davis, that I would feel a a huge need to have Hertz over Burrow. Now I have them ranked in a similar way. I think that I have Hertz and Lance because of the things that they do for you structurally, the flexibility they give you, the multiple ways that they win. I have... My roster percentage for both of them is extremely, extremely high. So I'm not arguing against Jalen Hurts in any way, shape, or form. But in some ways, it's almost a relief to have a draft where he wasn't the clear pick so that I can differentiate uh, or diversify just a little bit in terms of that portfolio. What are your thoughts here? We don't really have a player at a different position. Joe Burrow is a good fit. He was the player who got us to second place last year. He would be right in there with Jonathan Taylor. So we would have some callbacks to last year's team if we go burrow here.
1: Yes, I, I'm I don't think you're expecting any pushback area.
2: No, so we do take Joe Burrow. We have Jonathan Taylor and JK. Dobbins. I think that both of them could be league winners despite going wide receiver in rounds two through five. it's not that dynamic of a receiving core, but they are players that we do like. And then we have Joe Burrow who, with Jamar Chase and T Higgins, One of the elements here that I think people get caught up in is that due to the way in which the running quarterbacks score, especially the hybrid quarterbacks, when you're talking about a Josh Allen and his potential to put up a bunch of rushing touchdowns, when you're talking about Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, their potential to put up huge numbers in terms of rushing yardage and then also score some touchdowns, Jalen Hurts into that category, Trey Lance into that category, uh, ben has been discussing his projections for lance and how they're absolutely massive as i mentioned before i i've been drafting lance all the way up and the only times that i miss on him are when he goes very very early all of that makes sense and you need to have a lot of exposure to those players but the reason that a justin herbert will go fairly early the reason that a patrick mahomes will go fairly early the reason that a 45 year old Tom Brady will go ahead of where sometimes it seems intuitive, the reason that people are still interested in Aaron Rodgers despite not having any weapons, the reason that a Drew Brees and a Peyton Manning would have always been interesting players. And now, I mean, imagine if you gave Peyton Manning Jamar Chase and T Higgins, and then, oh, by the way, they have Tyler Boyd, the best slot possession receiver in football as the third guy. As the Bengals evolve, I mean, sure, there are plenty of scenarios and there is a huge sort of chunk of the probability pie to where the Bengals are ahead. They're not that aggressive. They don't throw with the lead in the same way that the Chiefs and the Bills do. And you get numbers that are are good but not league winning. There are also plenty of scenarios here where Burrow goes out and has one of those 5,000 yard, 50 touchdown seasons. And when you're drafting in this area, when it makes sense with the rest of your build, I think that you want to shuffle a few of those in there. And when you're thinking about week 16, week 17 upside, There just aren't that many teams who have multiple receivers who could go off for 200 yards and multiple touchdowns and even could do it together, right? And we talk a lot about losing to Connor's team because he obviously had Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and we weren't quite able to make up the Chase stagger with the just insane game that he had. But the score that put him over the top was the Joe Burrow score to Tyler Boyd, who was also on his team. And created the final gap right and so when you have a quarterback of joe burrow's caliber and you have those types of receivers what we saw in 2021 was just the tip of the iceberg right even when we saw in the playoffs where they really relied on a very good defense in some ways and yeah i mean you can mention that that probably isn't ideal because the way in so many cases that a superstar quarterback hits his very peak seasons now I mean, when you're talking about a Peyton Manning or a Drew Brees or as it's beginning to look for Patrick Mahomes, I mean, you're going to have very good seasons every year. But those ones that really stand out as being the record-breaking campaigns, there are some dynamics, at least sometimes, where defensive weakness or defensive injuries will then force that team into a passing mode that allows for the total number of attempts that gets you where you need to be that could happen this season. I mean, the Bengals could suffer some defensive injuries. One of the things that we don't always think about quite as much, uh, but one of the reasons that defense can be difficult to project in the way that so many things can be difficult to project is that their players get hurt and the defensive players rely on each other. You hear about sort of offensive line continuity and that kind of thing, but so much on the offense can be covered over. If you have a star quarterback, On the defense you lose some of those players and you lose some of that synergy and suddenly it's a very different unit so we're playing one of these scenarios that joe burrow has a massive season when we draft him here but it's also a high floor play we talk all the time about drafting two quarterbacks in the window one of the things that we're seeing in this draft is yes wide receivers are being inflated but at the same time the drafters are not being super conservative at QB they're all kind of everyone's eyeing each other and knowing not everybody is going to be able to execute that and it is a very key part of winning in best ball
1: yeah this is awesome Sean so far this draft I'm like I was really looking forward to getting in and and drafting in the challenge of it but this is uh, a lot of fun we'll see how our team turns out but yeah it's really challenging you know I added some players into our queue the likes of uh, you know Sky Moore and you're thinking yeah he might be there you know maybe even in the 10th round and then he goes at the 7-12 so uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting draft strategies happening as we look in terms of ADP the quarterback so between the 5-12 we get Lamar Jackson then two picks later we get Justin Herbert but then in the mid-sixth round we get Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray then two picks later Jalen Hurts then we take Joe Burrow then Russell Wilson, Trey Lance and Tom Brady going off the board in the seventh round and that kind of is relatively close to where these guys go in terms of adp they're usually all off the board uh in the seventh round range outside of trey lance who usually goes half around later but people are trying to put those uh sean your piece is obviously the best ball workshop people probably have those open as they're drafting against us and you talked about your rankings so all edges that we possibly could have in this draft are, are probably wiped out, but uh, Garrett Wilson going off the board. But Team 12, Sean, we're going to have to keep an eye here. They are really flying the flag for zero RB with Stefan Diggs, CD Lamb, Cortland Sutton, Rashad Bateman, stacked with Lamar Jackson, Traylon Burke, Skymore, Chris Olave. So we're getting three rookies in there. It's um, going to be fun to see how they play that out. But in a draft like this, when you can build up those receivers... There's going to be some interesting options here for them at running backs because at this point of the draft, we currently have 49 running back or 45 wide receivers drafted. There's 24 running backs drafted in this room. So um, there's going to be options for Team 12 to, to start to build that out. We do see Christian Kirk, Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, Gard Wilson, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and then Chase Claypool going off the board. So a couple, Sean, of options in Thomas and Cooper that we're probably passing I haven't drafted Christian Kirk at all this year. He got obviously paid a lot of money, but um, not really drafting him there. Dak Prescott goes off the board to the team in fourth. So we're two picks away. Sean, there's a lot of running back options again here. Uh, Based on how we're looking at things, it probably makes sense for one of the picks to be a running back because there's a lot of the guys we like here. But we do have two running backs so far in Dobbins and Taylor. How are you feeling about this pick? Or is there somebody else that is catching your attention here at the moment?
2: Well, with so many of the wide receivers being gone, I do think it's worth considering Rondell Moore and Tyler Boyd, both players who, number one, fit, and number two, uh, with Moore especially, you have him as a potential breakout candidate. I don't know at the running back position that the values are where I would want to see them to take a pick in this round, because the values are really on Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders from an ADP perspective. But Josh Jacobs, uh, I mean, there are, are huge problems with his profile for this season.
1: The other thing I was going to mention is I do think that we're going to see, like at the moment, there is Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Edwards, Alaire, Walker, Hunt, Singletary, Harris, Edmonds, Patterson, Penny, Cook. All like there's a lot of those guys we like, and there's a good chance that some one of those guys are going to pop back to us in the following round. So you have Rondell Moore top of the queue. Tyler Boyd obviously would be able to pair into that, um, you know, the Bengals situation with the bells, but. I think we go more for Sean to make sure we get him, and then we we go Boyd after. Is that what
2: you're thinking? Yeah, that'll work great. And it would have been interesting to select Dak Prescott if he had lasted two more picks, but he goes at the 8.09. doesn't make it back to us at the 8.11. I don't think that the rest of the quarterbacks here, column are necessarily must-draft players at the 8.9 turn. We have Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, and Justin Fields as the top players by ADP. Obviously Tua would have a little bit of intrigue as he connects to Tyreek Hill, but I'm not necessarily playing that, even though I like both of those wide receivers. If anything, making a bet on someone like Daniel Jones, or if we ended up with Jamison Williams later and were to try and hit on Jerry Goff, something like that would probably be more appealing than reaching for these guys here obviously Derek Carr and Justin Fields two quarterbacks who are priority targets for us but again probably not to start out the ninth round
1: yeah no I agree with that and uh, the guys there that we they would be the two guys we're targeting in this range and hopefully maybe one of those would slide to us Josh Jacobs and Matthew Stafford do go off the board so that gives us an option Sean to get Tyler Boyd here and I think one for all time's sake get mr boyd on the roster
2: so you obviously love tyler boyd he is one of the the poster folks for the ot podcast in the intro music at many different times the two wide receivers sort of ahead of him still by adp are robert woods and tyler lockett they fall into weaker situations this year it doesn't mean that they will score fewer points but i do like boyd here we do have a chance to take someone like a Galladay at Jahan Dotson Jarvis Landry Jamison Williams but Tyler Boyd is going to be our pick
1: yeah I think he fits what we're looking to do here in terms of the correlation so I know I mentioned earlier it's not as important maybe as the larger field tournaments um, but in terms of having that option based on wide receiver ADP at the position only not Based on why, obviously he would usually go quite a bit later. But in this room, by wide receiver position ADP, he would be in this current range. Tyler Lockett, you mentioned the situation. I do think that at this point he is becoming a value uh, in all formats. I think he's just you know kind of been forgotten about a little bit. Uh, same, I think DK Metcalf's a value. I'm probably going to end up drafting more of them as we continue to move forward. We recently drafted Metcalf on a roster together, Sean. I've drafted him a couple of times over the last week in drafts singly as well. So um, I think that we're starting to round out, Sean, into an interesting spot here for ourselves. So we're nine picks through. We have Jonathan Taylor, Tyreek Hill, Mike Williams, Gabriel Davis, Amon Ross St. Brown, J.K. Dobbins, Joe Burrow, Rondell Moore, and Tyler Boyd. So two running backs, one quarterback, and seven wide receivers through nine rounds. I think we've accomplished a lot of our goals in a challenging environment where we have to think outside of the box and to to try and stay on our toes as we do it so so far in this draft 52 wide receivers taken 27 running backs taken we are in the mid ninth round but that is going to do it for this section of the draft we will be posting each part of the podcast as we move forward the next part will come out tomorrow so if you have tuned in all the way through this we'll be back for round 10 through 20 those and vitally important rounds as to how we can round out this roster to build it into a competitor and to see how these other fascinating builds from the road of his overtime audience set up here for us so look for part two to drop on your favorite podcast player over the coming days and of course if you're listening to this drop us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app we appreciate that very very much so Of course, if you want to play in a draft like this, it is the FFPC Best Ball Tournament over at the FFPC. You can find them at myffpc.com. And maybe don't expect the ADP to be exactly like this, but uh, this is certainly a fun draft. As we continue on, we will be back with the next episode. My name is Colin Kelly. Co-host is Sean Siegel. And of course, until we're back, have a good one.